Alright, I'm going to uh, be talking about uh, a subject that is quite important. Um, it says QResearch.org by Jeff Diamet, August 31st, 2020. Half of U.S. Christians say casual sex between consenting adults is sometimes or always acceptable. Many Christian traditions disapprove of premarital sex, and even though Christians in the United States hold less permissive views than religiously unaffiliated Americans about dating and sex, most say it's acceptable in at least some circumstances for consenting adults to have sex outside of marriage, according to a recent Pew Research Center survey. Half of Christians say casual sex, defining the survey as sex between consenting adults who are not in a committed romantic relationship, is sometimes or always acceptable. Six in ten Catholics, 62%, take this view as do 56% of Protestants in historically black traditions. 54% of mainline Protestants, 36% of evangelical Protestants. Among those who are religiously unaffiliated, meanwhile, the vast majority, 84%, say casual sex is sometimes always acceptable, including roughly 9 in 10 atheists, 94%, and agnostics, 95%, who say this. The religiously unaffiliated, also known as quote-unquote nuns, are those who describe themselves religiously as atheists, agnostic, or as quote-unquote nothing in particular. The survey did not ask respondents if they themselves engaged in any of these practices. Instead, the questions asked if they found the practices acceptable, regardless of whether you would do it yourself. When it comes to sex between unmarried adults or in a committed relationship, the gap between Christians and the unaffiliated is less stark. A majority of Christians, 57%, say sex between unmarried adults in a committed relationship is sometimes or always acceptable. That includes 67% of mainline Protestants, 54% of Catholics, 57% of Protestants, historically black tradition, 46% of evangelical Protestants. Eight in 10 religiously unaffiliated Americans, 79% say sex between unmarried adults in a committed relationship is sometimes or always acceptable. There's less acceptance among Christians and Americans in general of a range of other sex and dating practices asked about in the survey, such as having sex on the first date exchanging sexually explicit photographs with other consenting adults and having an open relationship. Defined as a committed relationship where both people agree it's acceptable to date or have sex with other people. Evangelical Protestants are less likely than most of the other Christian groups in this analysis to find these practices acceptable. For example, just over a third of Christians in the U.S. say it's sometimes always acceptable for two consenting adults to exchange sexually explicit images of themselves. Three in ten evangelical Protestants hold this view, as do four in ten Catholics and Protestants in the mainline historically black Protestant traditions. Seven in ten religiously unaffiliated Americans say it's sometimes always acceptable for two consenting adults to exchange sexually explicit images of themselves. How often Americans attend which service? Another factor how they respond to the questions. Those who said before the coronavirus pandemic outbreak that they typically attend monthly or more are less likely than others to approve of sex and dating practices asked about in the survey. For example, a little less than half, 46% of U.S. adults who attend services at least once a month say sex between unmarried adults in a committed relationship is sometimes always acceptable. Compared with three quarters, 74% of those who go less often and about one third, 35% of those who go to religious services at least monthly say casual sex is sometimes always acceptable compared with three-quarters, 75% of those who attend less frequently. In addition, 12% of those who go to religious services at least monthly say it is always or sometimes acceptable to have sex on the first date, compared with 38% who attend less than monthly. Age may also play a role in Americans' views on these issues. Younger adults more often identify as religious and affiliated than, than older Americans do, and younger adults also are more likely than older ones to say all these dating practices are acceptable. The reason why I wanted to uh, do this article is because I recognize in the world of religion 
no denomination is a monarch. Also, no religion is a monolith either. So, it's easy to think that because someone is practicing a religion or a denomination of religion, that they would all be traditional Bible believe when it comes to each and every single subject, but as it turns out, that is untrue. Um, so I'm not here to bash religious people. I'm not here to bash uh, people's convictions. I'm just telling the truth here that it needs to be talked to. I'm glad I'm helping to initiate the conversation of you do have people who practice a religion who don't agree with everything about their religion. You do have people who who are faith-based who do not subscribe to everything traditionally speaking. You do have people of spirituality who are more on the I don't interpret spirituality through the lens of what is called conservative leanings. So this, I'm glad this was talked about. This is not to shame anybody. This is to be honest about humans are humans no matter what they practice or not practice. Um, I also want to say this. I don't have a problem with many Christians approving of any kind of marital sex, you know, I do not have a problem with, I do not have a problem at all with some Christians who approve of sex on the first date, have an open relationship, exchanging sex with those photographs of the consenting, um, adults um, I don't have a problem with that because everyone has a different relationship of what it means to be Christian for them I'm talking about all, everybody Christian has a different real, uh, interpretation and relationship of what being Christian means to them. Um, there's a lot of debates in the body of Christ about all kinds of subjects, personal life subjects and professional life subjects. So the body of Christ does not agree with each other on everything. You have Christians on two opposing sides of the hell conversation, the heaven conversation, the purgatory conversation, the sexual orientation conversation, the gender identity conversation, the sex characteristics conversation, the cohabitation conversation, the alcohol conversation, the marijuana conversation. Um, non-G-rated movies conversation, non-G-rated television conversation, um, sex work slash sex workers slash porn slash adult entertainment slash red light districts conversation. Any type of conversation that is considered hot button, you have Christians on all sides of the issues, of every issue. So, 
Oh, you have Christians who are on these opposing sides. So when I say opposed, I'm not talking about us. I, I don't mean it in an us versus them when it comes to me. I'm talking about multiple perspectives. That's all. Um, you have Christians who are on the opposing sides of is the Bible the word of God or not the word of God? Is the Bible divinely inspired or not divinely inspired? Is the Bible God-breathed or not God-breathed? Is the Bible fallible or infallible? Is the Bible errant or inerrant? Is the Bible promoting sola scriptura or the Bible not promoting sola scriptura? Um, is like even you have Christians who disagree with each other when it comes to what it says about women, what it says about children, what it says about non-Christians, um, what it says about slavery, um, should the Bible be updated, uh, should the Bible be revised in terms of fitting it more into our modern time. I'll give you four positions on salvation that Christians agree on. So you have Christians who are inclusiveness. And inclusiveness is the person thinks, who thinks it's possible to have salvation outside of Jesus. Then you have um, pluralists. Pluralists are Christians who say only people who practice religion even if it's not Christianity, are saved. And then you have universalists and Christians who will say, hey, they, they'll either say only all good people are saved, or they'll say, hey, Jesus' death on the cross covers everybody, so everybody's saved. Of course you have, of course you have the Christian position, the, the, the traditional one of exclusivism, meaning that only... Christians are saved and everybody else is damned to hell. So you have Christians who disagree on those things. You have exclusivist-minded Christians. You have inclusivist-minded Christians. You have pluralist-minded Christians. And you have universalist-minded Christians, okay? Also, when it comes to the body of Christ, there is this debate on, is it holy to have uh, out of wet lunch? out of wedlock children or not they, they, you have Christians who disagree on that uh, you have Christians who disagree with each other when it comes to tattoos and revealing clothing you have Christians who disagree with each other when it comes to piercings of the body you have Christians who disagree with each other when it comes to any kind of surgery you can think of and you have Christians who disagree with each other when it comes to profanity in any kind of strong language. You have Christians who disagree with each other when it comes to, is it okay to participate in a nightlife like go to a nightclub or go to a bar? You have Christians who disagree with each other when it comes to child rearing. Do we do timeouts? Do we do corporate punishment? Do we do grounding? Do we do removal of privilege? You have Christians who disagree with each other on those things. I'm just breaking it down because, hey, I've been in the body of Christ long enough. All the years I was in it, I, I really know what I'm talking about because I actually talked to all these kind of Christians. And you, you had Christians who their interpretation of faith was, hey, you know, because I got Jesus, you know, my relationship with Jesus means that as long as I'm decent to people and myself, then doing what the church calls worldly stuff ain't wrong. They're like, hey, as long as I'm loving, you know, I, I can do the stuff that, you know, the church says, the world does, and the church says doesn't do, but when I do it, it ain't wrong for me, you know, Jesus didn't convict me that's wrong, I'm not hurting anybody. You do have live and let live Christians, and you can tell by the way that they behave, and even look sometimes, not to judge the book by its cover, even how they look. You have 
Christians who have tattoos too. They have, so it's easy to look at religion and go, everybody's traditional and everything. That is not true. I've worshipped with Christians who had tongue piercings. Yes, I have. I've worshipped with Christians who, when it was just us, we would let it fly together. It's real. I've met Christians who had open relationships. They're like, look, I love Jesus, but my drive is pretty robust. And my partner understands that, you know, he can't, that person can't have sex with me all the time, but I have somebody else. I've met Christians who do that. I'm just being real. This is in the body of Christ. A lot of believers don't like to talk about this, but I'm going to talk about it. It has to be said. You do have Christians who disagree with each other when it comes to the lottery. I met Christians who played the lottery, and I met Christians who hated it. It's real. I've met um, Christians who say, hey, I like who I like. If that means they're old enough to be my child, but they're not biologically my child, we're not talking about stepchildren. We're not talking about anything ancestral. We're not talking about that. We're talking about I've met Christian women who say, look, I love the Lord and I love my young men too. I've met Christians who live together unmarried. You have Christians who disagree with that. You have Christians who dis- you have Christians who agree with that too. And you have Christians who disagree with the age gap. They're like, but they're gonna be a child like look, I'm grown, they're grown. Um they got it they have a solid head on their shoulders. I got mine too. I'm not taking advantage of them, they're not taking advantage of me. I like them. They like me. It is what it is when it comes to us. So you have Christians disagree on the age gap. You have Christians disagree with each other when it comes to dating apps and sex apps. You have Christians who disagree with each other when it comes to watching tabloid shows. Shows that are called tabloid. You have Christians who say, hey, this don't hurt my face. Why does it still well, it hurts mine? They say it doesn't hurt mine. They say it hurts mine. Every side. It, it, I, I'm just so glad I'm talking about this. And this is not just something that happens in Christianity. All religions and all denominations of all religions have the exact same agreements and disagreements and opposing sides on every issue. We have Christians who disagree with each other when it comes to interfaith marriages, interracial marriages. Um, and plural relationships and you know non-monogamous relationships too and plural marriages as well so I'm just telling you how a lot of faith-based people are thinking I'm glad my best friend encouraged me to be myself openly because there's a lot of believers who actually think like I do. And I have to remember that because for a while it was hard to remember that, but now when I read, write, read, when I say this to y'all, I go, okay, I remember. I do remember. I really, really do. Okay, um, by the way, all this stuff that I said that have opposing uh, opposing issues let's just say let me repeat that again so y'all none of us get confused every issue that I just outlined that Christians disagree with I'm going to make it all simple because people are like, okay, what are your stances on these things since you brought it up? I would say because I, because you all know I'm a live and let live, do no harm type of person, I approve of all these things that I just named before 
with the whole sexual things I just named in the article and the other issues and subjects that they face with this girl and each other. What was your stance on all these topics we just named, Antonio? As you know, because I live and let live and do no harm to the principal type of person, I approve of all of these things, okay? Yes, I said it. I approve of them all. Every topic, every sexual topic, every non-sexual topic I just brought up to you about the world of religion, I approve of them all. Now, let's proceed. Hooking up. Do atheists have better sex? Glamour.com. A new study has revealed that atheists enjoy far better sex than the faithful by John Ordbit, May 23rd, 2011. A new study has revealed that atheists enjoy far better sex than the faithful. I repeat again so, so I can keep your interest. After interviewing nearly 15,000 people, researchers from Kansas University discovered that atheists enjoy sex more because they are unencumbered by the guilt accompany sex for believers during and for weeks after sex. Both atheists and the devout report having roughly the same amount of sex and became sexually active at the same ages. But devoutly religious people rated R-A-T-E-D their sex lives way lower than atheists. Again, but devoutly religious people rated their sex lives way lower than atheists. Unsurprisingly, Strict religions like Mormonism produce followers with the most guilt, followed by Jehovah's Witnesses and then followers of Pentecostal Seventh-day Adventists. Of people raised in very religious homes, 22.5% say they were ashamed or ridiculed for masturbating, compared with only 5.5% of people brought up in the least religious homes. Pain are known from masturbation, pro-erotica, pro-porn. Okay. Uh, I said pro porn, pro masturbation, pro erotica, just in case you go, what? You trailed off in here? You, 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 you know my stance, so let me keep going. Some 79.9% of people raised in very religious homes said they felt guilty about a specific sexual activity or desire, while 26.3% of those raised in secular homes did report the daily mail. People who had lost their beliefs and became agents reported a significant improvement in sexual satisfaction. The people the paper went on to say apparently the guilty feelings that religion creates around sex dissipate after a while it's not like religious beliefs actually prevent anyone from having sex either our data shows that people that feel very guilty about their sex behavior when they are religious but that does not stop them just makes them feel bad the studies often said allow me to preempt some comments with the following disclaimer this was a scientific study we related, not a comment or a judgment on your personal beliefs or sex life. I'm not saying that you can't have great guilt-free sex and be a religious person. I'm not saying that you personally do not. Does your religion or your partner's religion make you feel guilty about sex? If not now, has it ever? Um, this is very intriguing. I want to... Um, I feel like it's the right thing for me to do to talk about this. Um, a lot first, people will have about, okay, before we get to this article, Antonio, we're going to ask, before we ask you, would you have sex with an atheist question? Okay, Antonio, would you ever have sex with a Christian? If they have liberal views on sex, then Yes, I would. If they're sexually progressive, yeah, I would have sex with them. If they are a member of the sexual left, then yes, I would. Because you do have Christians who are members of political parties. Not all of them are Republicans. Not all of them are... GOP is you have Christians who are moderate. You have Christian centrist. Yeah, you have Christians who are just like Joe Biden. You have Christians who are just like Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, AOC. You have Christians like Bernie Sanders. Uh, of course you have 
Christians like uh, John McCain. You have Christians like uh, Christians who would agree with uh, Jeb Bush, right? You have Christians like that. So yeah, I would have sex with Christians who are accepting of fornicated sex. I would. That would be the only way we would have sex, though. I would. Now, now they're going to ask me, would you have, okay, Antonio, so when you say you have sex with Christians who are approving of fornicated sex, who have fornicated sex with you, what about people of all the other religions? Yes. Absolutely. It was easy for me to answer that. And so, next question. So, Antonio, would you have sex with secular people? Yes. Would you date secular people? Yes. Okay, Antonio, would you have sex with agnostics and atheists? Yes. Would you have sex with a deist? Yes. Would you have sex with a Tennyson Universalist and Universalist? Yes. Okay, would you date all these type of people? Yes. Okay, Tony, let me be specific so I can know you answer my question. I'm just being sarcastic. You know how people are. Okay. Would you date an atheist? Yes. Would you date an agnostic? Yes. Would you date a deist? Yes. Would you date a Unitarian Universalist and Unitarians and Universalists? Yes. Okay, Antonio. I'm a really good technical show ass. Um, would you date a Christian? Yes. Would you date people of all the other religions? Yes. I I value team nice. I also value team don't be an asshole. And I value team I hate us versus them. These are my hashtags, by the way. And I also value team learning, growing from people who think, live, and love differently than I do. Because these are all my values. And my goal is not to shred anyone's human rights. I believe in human rights for all. Because human rights for all is the only way we can coexist. Because if you take one people, you got to take all our rights. Human rights for none, all that is horrible. All that is terrible. So, as long as how you, as long as all your lifestyles and all of your viewpoints harm nobody, you should keep doing your lifestyles and viewpoints, all of them. And so, some people get really technical. Okay, Antonio, I'm going to mention more secular people that you know, I have a name, I'm a name right now. Would you have, would you date and have sex with free thinkers? Yes. Would you have date, would you date and have sex with rationalists? Yes. Would you date and have sex with nonconformists? Yes. Would you date and have sex with mavericks? Yes. Okay. Um, would you date and have sex with Humans, yes. Would you date and have sex with with religious skeptics? Yes. I just love answering questions. Um, <laughs> these are my kind of questions. And by the way, in my personal life, I had great guilt-free sex with people who practice a religion and with people who practice no religion. <sighs> okay, now I, I have to deal with this. This is Bruce Garenter. Should a Christian date an atheist? That's like asking 
because you date a Muslim, because you, because that it's the same thing in a lot of faith-based people's minds. I've heard this before. If they ask if they're atheists, that's the same horror for them as all non-Christians in their minds. Talking about these specific faith-based people, not all of them, of course. It says, should a Christian date an atheist? Bruce Grinzer's life, verse 2020. BruceGrinzer.net. Repost from 2015 through 2016, uh, edited, updated, and corrected. 7 Corinthians 6, verse 14. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship have righteousness with unrighteousness, or what communion have light with darkness? Several years ago, a woman emailed Paula Hendricks, a writer for the Lies Young Women Believe website, and asked her whether it was okay to date, love, and marry an atheist. Hendricks said, Christian Fundamentalist replied, Dear, I'm falling in love with an atheist. I'm so glad you wrote. Please don't read this letter with a harsh, condemning tone, but with an urgent, pleading one. I am deeply concerned for you. If this letter feels like I'm dumping a bucket of cold water on your head, it's because I want you to wake up. Let's start with who a Christian is. An atheist and a Christian just aren't compatible. A Christian is a person who is now one with Christ. A Christian has been rescued by Jesus out of the darkness of sin, has been brought into his marvelous light. He said his, remember, this is a Christian fundamentalist talking. Transformed from the inside out, a Christian has the spirit of Christ living inside of them. A Christian is someone whose entire identity has been refashioned around Christ. Christ is their life. Christ is the reason they are now accepted and beloved by God the Father. An atheist, on the other hand, denies that God even exists. An atheist hates the very idea of there being a God. An atheist and a Christian just aren't compatible. You have to choose between God and this man. You can't have both, James warns. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. James chapter 4, verse 4. Notice, there was no herself or they, them. There were no uh, gender pronouns that covered everybody. So apparently, it's, they think that everyone doing this is a woman. Strange. Um, let me be clear about this, though. If you choose God of this man, God will not love you any more than he already does. Remember, this is a Christian fundamentalist speaking. It won't earn you extra points with God. If you truly trust in Christ Jesus, spoken saving Lord, you're already his one percent dearly loved child. Does that mean that you have the freedom to date this man? No way. Besides, why would you want to when Christ has built himself to you as the greatest treasure there is both in this life and for the life to come? I get it that you have strong feelings toward this man. I've been where you are. If anything like me, my guess that you is that your feeling isn't true love, but something closer to romantic desire and even maybe lust. Now, here is Bruce Garenser. Now, I'm going to read to you who Bruce is so when you hear him talk, you know exactly where he stands. Okay? Bruce Garenser, 64, lives in rural uh, northwest Ohio with his wife of 43 years. He and his wife have six grown children, 13 grandchildren. Bruce pastored evangelical church for, for 25 years in Ohio, Texas, and Michigan. Bruce left the ministry in 2005. In 2008, he left Christianity. Bruce is now a humanist and an atheist. And now when you hear Bruce talk, you're going to hear a lot of sarcasm. Okay? That is his satire, if you will. Okay? Here we go. These atheists, they must be scary people. I suspect they hang out at dance halls, lurking in the shadows, hoping to find virgin evangelical girls they can entice with thoughts of love and draw them away to the dark side. As every Christian knows, atheists are child molesters, sexual deviants, Satan worshippers can eat barbecued babies on Fridays. According to Hendrix, atheists hate the very idea of there being a god. In one sentence, like most evangelicals, Hendrix revealed that she doesn't really know any atheists or hasn't really thought about what it is atheists and humanists believe. All she has to go on is the bigoted stereotype she was taught in church. 
If she actually knew any atheist, she would know that atheists don't hate the thought of the existence of God. How can they since they don't believe there is a God? Not a Christian God, not a Muslim God, not a Jewish God, no gods, period. What atheists do hate is what Christianity does in the name of its God. What atheists do hate is when evangelicals such as Hendrix misrepresent and lie about what atheists actually believe. Pity the poor girl who sent Hendrix the email. She's fallen in love with her dance partner, and according to Hendrix, she shouldn't act on this love because God says such love is a sin. Besides, what she may really be quote-unquote feeling is lust. Ah, yes, the ever-present lust that lurks in the heart of evangelicals. You think with God living inside of you that there would be no room for lust. But it seems that evangelicals lust just like the unwashed, uncircumcised Philistines of the world. In fact, it could be argued that evangelicals lust more than their counterparts in the world. Why do preachers preach so many sermons against sexual sin and lust if these sins are not a big problem in evangelical churches? One atheist commenter challenged Hendrix's statement about atheists. Here's Hendrix's response. Hey, Kaya Triana, you're welcome here. While my statement may have been a bit broad, it might not perfectly characterize all self-professed atheists. Romans chapter 1 tells us that we're all God-haters, whether we claim to be atheists or not, and we suppress the truth about him in our unrighteousness. I was a God-hater, too, until God revealed his love and kindness to me in Christ Jesus, paying the penalty for my sin, so I might be set free from being a slave to my own selfish passions and might become his beloved adopted daughter. This is a bit off topic, but would you be bold enough to ask God to reveal himself to you if he really is real? And would you be open to picking up a Bible, reading the book of Romans or John? And then someone named Becca chimes in. Hey, Katrina, thanks for your input. I appreciate you taking time to comment. I don't want to get into any arguments or any means, but I would like to just give you some food for thought. If there isn't a God, then that would mean that there really is no purpose for anyone's life, right? I mean, if we're all just here by accident, what does it matter? When you take God out of the equation, there is no longer value in anyone's life or in the world. Why should I be allowed to kill anyone I don't like? Because government says so, but if we're all just an accident with no real purpose, it's just another person with no eternal value. How can anyone have true value without God? On the flip side, we know for a fact that every human being unborn or not has value. Everyone has value because they're created in the image of a holy God and he loves us so much. More than you could ever imagine. God cares about us so much that he even collects every tear we've ever cried. He keeps them. Typical evangelical tribal, right? But here's the thing. I actually agree with Hendrix. Generally, it is ill-advised for anyone to marry someone who does not share their religious, ethical, moral values. More than one marriage has been brought to ruin by clashing worldviews. Better to see that life partner that has been taught that you are a hater of God, the enemy of God, a tool of Satan, a sexual deviant. Um, I could understand. I was reading Bruce's words. Um, yeah, like-mindedness is very important in any relationship. But I say this: if the right person for you doesn't share your viewpoint and it's not conflicting in anyone's heart at all in terms of both of you like no one feels conflicted in any way about you being with somebody that doesn't practice any religion but you practice one I say go for it I mean no conflicts at all in terms of okay no one's forced to go to church or no one's forced not to go to church these are all optional if everything is all optional and there's no conflicts at all then inner then you know religious and secular um partnerships of any kind are good because you do have christians who disagree with each other on religious and secular relationships of any kind um so i would say if it works well for the both of them it works well for them if they have children go for it if it works for them they don't have children go for it as long as again everything's all optional 
and no one feels conflicting anyway, have fun. But if it's going to be problematic, then pick somebody who shares your worldview and life view. You know? Atheist evangelicals alike think they can win over their their partner to the cause. Rarely does it work out. And couples with no rich differences in, in marriage anyway often end up in divorce court. Not all of them. Some of them go on to have successful relationships and they enjoy being together, whether they're parents or not. Um, okay. The evangelical church emphasizes the need for every person to have a personal born-again salvation experience. Countless young men have made what I call, this is what Bruce calls, excuse the bluntness, a pussy-driven salvation decision. They want the woman and they can't have her, so they start going to church, make a profession of faith, and voila, the woman agrees to date him. Later they marry them, the woman finds out that the man she married feigned faith so he could date her. More than a few of these marriages end in divorce. Obviously, when I say the word pussy, I was not being misogynistic. Um, in this case, we're talking about a guy who pretends to be evangelical, but he's thinking with his dick. Let's just be real here. I'm not being misandric when I say that either. It's the truth. Um, atheists and non-Christians alike have completely different ways of looking at the world. Evangelicalism is a world filled with Bible verses, commands, thou shalt not, in a world that will surely frustrate the non-evangelical. It's a world where obedience to authority is demanded at every corner and freedom of thought is often discouraged and condemned. It is a, it is a place fun-loving, free it is a place fun-loving, free people go to die. Yes, I'm painting with a Bruce's wide-ass brush. Um, here's the issue here. Um, not every evangelical is the same. So you have even evangelicals who disagree on any doctrine and any dogma. Like, you have people of all religions, all denominations, all religions, who dis disagree when it comes to everything scripture says. Definitely, evangelicals feel like this doesn't hurt me by me being with this mark of Don't feel that way. Over the years, I have corresponded with a number of atheists who are in a mixed marriage. While most of them have found a way to make peace with their evangelical spouses, their emails speak to the great pain and disconnect that comes with such a relationship. We're talking about the ones where it's problematic. The ones that are non-problematic keep being successfully happy. I'm only talking to the ones who are unhappy in their relationships. The believing spouse wants their unbelieving spouse to go to church and at least act like a Christian. More than a few of the people who have corresponded with me go to church every Sunday to please their spouses. Some of them are secret atheists. Their spouses don't know that their significant other no longer believes. They go to church, sing the songs, listen to sermons, all the while thinking it's all bullshit. Why do they do this? Love. They love their believing spouses and children. They want there to be peace on the home front. All would agree that it would have been better for them if they had married a person who shared the same worldview, but they are willing to do all they can to make the marriage work. So that was something that I have corresponded with about divorce. The reason that many built religion played a great part in every divorce. The prophet Amos was right when he posted the total question, can two walk together except they be agreed? Uh, some can. Some think they'll say to themselves, I fucking love myself. And that everyone's relationship with God is different in the theistic world. So, not all in the divorces, not all in the separations, not all in the breakups. Some 
Um, some we got some relationships where the non-religious person or the non-religion of the spouse-spousy person, some will go to church for like community and, and to be around the spouse, and some don't. It's no different in interfaith marriages. You have Christians who go to mosque with their spouse. You have Muslims who go to church with their spouse. You, have, you know, you have people or Hindus who go to temple, Jewish temples and synagogues with their spouse. And some don't. Some attend their spouse's house of worship and some don't. And both occur for myriad of reasons. So people find ways to make it work. People find ways to make the shit fucking work. Um, so the question would be, could I date have sex with someone who has who practices religion but not practice religion I would say yeah or let's say they're part of a denomination while I'm obviously not a denomination or something I do not practice religion I would say yeah because I wouldn't pick someone that are that's a deal breaker for me Never date someone that's a deal breaker for you. Never fuck someone that's a deal breaker for you. Never marry someone. If your heart is 100% in truth about that person, dating, sex, and marriage, you should go for it. And if that person is 100% satisfying to your heart, whether y'all choose to be parents or not, um, I say go for it. You have some relationships where partners live together and some don't. And if y'all 100% enthusiastic about each other and that works for y'all, then go for it. That's how I feel. Um, I live in a um, reality where I would not date or have sex unless it's deal breaker for me. Obviously, I'm never getting married and I would never have children as I know. And obviously, I am a confirmed um, bachelor. Um, and obviously, I will always have a bachelor pad. Now let me talk about my bachelor pad. Because I'm going to be living on my own soon. So what does it mean for me to have a bachelor pad? Okay. For Antonio, a bachelor pad is a home the home is the pad in which a bachelor, Antonio Ray Myers, as a single person lives. The exact standards of what constitutes a bachelor pad are often ambiguous and debated, but all, one definition describes it as this. Okay, here we go. Okay, let's just talk about Antonio's bachelor pad. A bachelor pad for Antonio is a slang term for living space owned by a bachelor, me, single person, that is designed as a collective space as opposed to individual items with the purpose of facilitating myself as a bachelor in my daily activities to include but not limited to daily functionality, my daily functionality, my use of free time, my hobbies and interests, my entertaining friends, and my enthusiastically consenting, seducing women, 
men and adults of all gender identities, all sexual orientations, all sex characteristics. A bachelor had for me is done on a wise budget. And I'm not a person of extravagance, so extravagance is not something I want to do. So I look forward to my future bachelor class. Oh, let me get back to the question. So, Tony, if you pick somebody that has certain things that y'all are not the same on, how would you make it work? I would say if we agree more than we disagree, then we can date and have sex. But if we disagree more than we agree, we can be respectful towards each other, either cordial or good friends. And that's about it. Don't get with deal breakers, no matter what it is. And that's how I live my life. And I think that now that I've said that I could definitely conclude this episode 